Good morning, church. Pastor Shannon here. Couldn't be with you today. Kim and I are over in Minnesota, but I wanted to take a few moments and introduce some of the people who are going to be speaking today here at Community Church. The year is 2009, and Sturgeon Bay Community Church is welcoming back some of our missionaries who have been down in Tijuana, Mexico, doing work with Caravan. One of those young men who's going to speak on that day is Mark Condra. And Mark comes up to the stage and does a little demonstration. There's some, there's a little a kick and a swing and a, and a hand click and all this kind of stuff. And apparently it culminates with the pastor getting slapped right upside the face. I don't remember what the illustration was, but I'll never forget the moment. But you're on the stage today, buddy. I'm proud of you, Mark. I'm proud of the man that you've become. I'm so proud of what you and your lovely wife, Josie, are doing the way you're committing your life uh, to bring the gospel, the word of God, to the people there in Eastern Asia. How beautiful are the feet of those come bearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is going to be you guys. So church, you're going to have an opportunity to hear from and to pray for Mark and Josie. And I would encourage you that not only do you pray for them today, but that you continue to do so for the next few years as they are serving God faithfully and uh, without a break for three years over in the Himalayas. The other person coming to the stage today, uh, we're also very, very proud of. In our search for a youth minister, we probably looked at a hundred resumes. Short people, really, men and women who love God, love doing ministry, and many of them had great experience. But we were looking for something special. We were looking for Matt. We wanted somebody who balanced professionalism and education and experience and a fire in the gut that loves teenagers and loves to lead. We also wanted to make sure that that was the kind of person who could get up on stage and preach the Word of God unapologetically and effectively. That's Matt. This morning, as Matt comes up to preach, I pray that you give him all of your attention. Miss Britt, I want you to know we are proud of your husband and girls. Your dad's the best. So Matt, my friend, my buddy, my co-worker, uh, bring the Word of God today. And I'll look forward to seeing the video for what you had to say and Mark what you and Josie had to say. So church, we'll see you next week. In the meantime, enjoy what God has brought into our midst. See you then. So I uh, actually was standing in the back of the, uh, behind the camera with cue cards to tell Pastor Shannon what to say. So, uh, so but that, that was very humbling to hear what he had to say. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Coyne. I'm the new uh, student minister here at Community Church, and I'm excited to be up here uh, in front of you all this morning. When Pastor Shannon asked me a few weeks ago, uh, if I would be willing to preach just being here for a couple weeks, I said, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning and privileged to do that. Uh, in 2017, Pastor Shannon's been going through the book of Mark with you, and this morning we're going to continue that. And I'm going to do my best to uh, leave you here this morning with some, you know, some encouragement, some advice, and just to understand what Jesus is teaching us from this passage. So that's my goal for you this morning. But before we do that, I'd love to uh, uh, just open in prayer. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you that you have brought us here this morning for a reason. And God, I pray that whatever reason that is, that as we are sitting here this morning, that, that Holy Spirit, you make that known. That Holy Spirit, that you speak to us and through us, that uh, we are just able to, to leave here this morning better equipped to live a life for you, Jesus, that we're, we leave here ready to share your love and ready to grow and ready to just be your hands and feet. And we just love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. All right, so 
This morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. And by the way, if you notice, yeah, I'm standing behind this thing because I'm new, and just in case you want to start throwing stuff, I can hide. Uh, but no, I'm just, this is how I feel comfortable, so that's why if you're wondering, why is this back up here? So, uh, so this morning, like I said, we're going to be in Mark 9, 33 through 37, and in this passage, we find the disciples and Jesus on their way to Capernaum. Uh, they're on their way to a home that welcomes Jesus and his disciples uh, for them to kind of relax, refuel, uh, you know, just to, to get back uh, just to get back into things. And along the way, the disciples have been arguing. Namely, they've been arguing about who's the greatest among themselves. And Jesus knows this. He knows what they're arguing about. And uh, so we're going to uh, talk about what he, how he brings that up, which I think is an awesome way, and what he teaches. Uh, so the disciples have been arguing about this on other occasions, on who they think is the best, who should hold the highest kingdom or the highest position in the kingdom. And their desire was to honor this earthly kingdom. But Jesus has to refocus their thoughts, their thinking, and I believe that same refocusing needs to happen today. Uh, we all have these similar, similar recognition, you know, or this desire for recognition, authority, position, esteem. Sometimes we just even want to be affiliated with the best. You know, my team's the best. No, my team's the best. And, and don't misunderstand, there's nothing wrong with that. Unless you're trying to tell me that your team is better than a Pittsburgh team, then there's an issue. I'm kidding. I'm joking. But these are human desires. Uh, they're legitimate. But the danger is when we allow our heart to be overtaken by that selfishness, that pride, and when that desire to be number one is outweighing our desire to have a relationship with Jesus and know what it means to be number one to him, know, knowing what it means to say, this is what's important to God. This is what he's trying to tell us. So what Christ sets out to do here is, again, to refocus the disciples as well as their and our concepts of greatness. And to have that when this shift focus happens, lives can and will be changed. So if you brought your Bibles this morning, uh, we are going to be, again, in, chap in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. If you didn't, it will be on the screen behind me. So starting in verse 30, 33, it says, They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, because on the way, they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. He took a child, had, had him stand among them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. So, again, you, you know, there's, there's no reason to feel bad that, you know, oh, great, thanks a lot, Matt. You, you made me feel guilty right off the bat because I try every day to, to be the best, to, to get that recognition, to have that authority. And just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Shannon talked to us about as having a relationship with Jesus, as, as being a follower of him, you should strive for that. But again, we're not talking about that. We're talking about when you let that get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. And, you know, it's funny because the disciples here, they, some of them had really great uh, points. They, they could, Andrew could have said, hey, uh, you know, I was the first one that Jesus came to, and I went to Peter and told him about the Messiah. And Peter could have said, well, I'm kind of the rock that Christ is going to build his church. And then John could have pulled the, well, I'm the beloved disciple card if he really wanted to. So, you know, all of them had, you know, a really you know, great case. But again, they were missing the point. 
So this morning, we're going to talk about three things that I think Jesus teaches us out of this passage. Uh, just this little paragraph has a lot of uh, stuff in it. And, and starting in verse 33, before we really get into those, I just want to talk about kind of the opening remarks in this. Uh, verse 33, again, it says, They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? And I just love how Jesus does this. You know, he knew what they were arguing about. Like, he knew, he heard, you know, they got to the home after the journey, and Jesus goes, so, what were you talking about? And, and I just would have loved to know what Jesus was thinking on the way, just listening to all these people, to these disciples bickering and talking about, I'm the best, no, I'm the best. Just, are you kidding me? Like, we just went over this. We just talked about this. Are you joking? You know, as a parent of two little girls, I can kind of understand, not to a greater magnitude, but the repetitiveness of it all. Since my family has moved to Door County, we have loved to get to know this area. We have been exploring. We have loved to get to know our church family, our two little girls, three and two. Uh, they have just loved to all the parks and everything. But one of the things we've really been struggling with is sleeping. They will not sleep. Just last night, again, our oldest was up until 2 a.m. No nap or anything. Like, this is a super little human. Uh, and so earlier this week, my wife and I decided we are going to pull out the big guns. We're going to just duct tape. No, we didn't duct tape into their bed. But we are going to stay in their bed with them, or stay in their bedroom with them, and just say, no, you got to go to sleep. you got to go to sleep. Now, our youngest, who is two, that's really I have to say, is two, uh, she is just quite the little explorer. We were in there for probably about a half hour, and she kept getting out of her bed, I put her back in. Getting out of her bed, put her back. I'm not kidding you, 15, 20 times. After about a handful, I said, Brea, are you kidding me? Like, what aren't you under understanding? Get back into your bed. Right back out. of. So I understand Jesus feeling like a parent of, are, are you kidding me? But Jesus shows a patience here, a love, a control that I strive for, and I know I'll never hit, and I hope we strive for on a daily basis. And he waits, because Jesus' time is perfect. He, he's going to let them do their thing, and then Jesus is going to bring it up. And Jesus is going to do what I like to call the trap. Uh, you know, as, as a parent, Brittany and I have not reached this yet, but I remember a few times growing up, my mom got my brother and I with it a few times. This one particular time, I remember uh, my brother and I were just going at it. I mean, we were just, we were just fist out, just, just not really, but you know what I'm saying, arguing. And, and my mom walks in, and, and we heard her coming, so we heard her and quieted it down. She comes in, and I just remember her going, what were you guys talking about? We're like, nothing. We're just hanging out. We're, we just love each other. Uh, and my mom goes, that's funny, because that's not what it sounded like. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's giving the disciples a chance to fess up to what they were arguing about, but they just couldn't come to admit what they were doing. They knew what they were arguing about. They knew that Jesus wasn't happy about it, and they were ashamed about it. Jesus had been talking about his betrayal, the cross, the resurrection. They just weren't understanding. In fact, we started in verse 33 this morning. If you have your Bible, if you look right up to verse 32, you can actually see it says they didn't understand it. They didn't even want to talk about it. They just couldn't comprehend how the Messiah, the Son of God, could be killed by men. He had power over death. How could he be the one who suffers? But they didn't ask. They just built this disharmony. They're like, maybe this is what he was talking about. Maybe he meant like, we need to decide who's more important, or, or this is what he's talking about with the kingdom, who's more important. And this whole thing just had to cut Jesus to the core. Again, how many times has he told him? Literally, they just talked about this. 
And Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew what the big picture was. And here the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest among themselves. He just had to be frustrated that they didn't get it. And here's something that it just baffles me, that they didn't ask him about it. You know, that, that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, their rabbi, their teacher, their master, the, Jesus Christ, the easiest being in the world to go to and just talk to, they had him right there and they could have said, what are you talking about? We don't understand this. We can't comprehend this. But they didn't. But I have something to tell you. I think we do that a lot. I think we do that a lot as Christians. Uh, it's just people in general saying, this is too uncomfortable, so I'm not going to talk about it. Or this is too intimidating. One thing I can think about uh, if, you know, when you got to talk to your parents, if, you know, as your parents age and you got to talk about, you know, the funeral arrangements or, or what are we going to do? It's not like, you know, I pick up the phone and I call my mom and dad and say, hey, mom and dad, I want to talk about, talk about when you die. No, you don't want to talk about it, but you have to. It's something. And I think what happens here is the disciples are saying, I can't even imagine Jesus, you dying, you going through this, you suffering through this. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to argue about who's the greatest because we think that's what you're talking about. And so I think that's in today's age that we struggle with that on, on these, if you will, hot topic discussion points of, you know, it, it comes up for like, I'm not, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to talk about it. And then so we make up what we think is important. And that's kind of what the disciples are doing here. Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see the bigger picture. Something bigger is going on here. It's not about who's better, who's more deserving and worthy. It's about serving the kingdom of God. It's about your relationship with Jesus. It's about your place and glory with him. Jesus had tried to get this point across that it's about serving the kingdom of God. Before we get into these three things that I think Jesus is teaching, I want to clear the, something up for you this morning. We're all equal in the eyes of our Father in heaven. Do we understand that? We're, we're all equal. What we are talking about this morning is not about who God loves more and loves less, because we are all one in Jesus Christ. But in that, in that oneness, there are different gifts that God has given us, and there's a maturity some of, us, some of us here this morning have a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of us this morning have followed him for years and years. And then there's other ones of us in here who are saying, I don't even really know if I get this. I'm still confused. I still am trying to figure this whole thing out. But all of us are trying to grow in our relationship with Jesus, right? So what, God is, what Jesus is teaching these 12 men here, he's saying, listen, you want to grow? This is what God wants you to do. This is what you need to do to grow in him. Whether you have just started a relationship today or you have known him for years and years and years, this is how you grow. In the, church, in the early church, when they picked deacons, they didn't just pick seven random men. They didn't say, you, 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 and you, come with me. You look good. No, they picked seven men who were full in the spirit of the Lord. They were full. They were ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus, ready to show his love in all that they did. So how, what does that look like? Well, this is what Jesus, these are just three things in just this little passage that Jesus says, here are three great things that you can do. These are in, three indispensable things to what looks great in the eyes of God. So the first is the greatest must be the very last. It says, sitting down, he called the 12 to them. If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. 
So I want to focus just real quick on this sitting down part. There's a reason Mark puts this. I want you to understand that sitting down, um, he could have just said he called the 12 over, but Mark wants to make sure you understand that this is their teacher. This, he assumed the position of a rabbi or a teacher. The ones that he is closest to, the ones that Jesus handpicked for himself to say, you 12, are gonna, I want you to follow me. I want you to help me be fishers of men and tell people about the love of God. Tell people about me, the Messiah, the Son of God. I need to sit down and I need to teach you right now. And Jesus here is refocusing the train of the thought of the disciples. They still didn't seem to get this whole thing. They still saw an earthly, temporal kingdom and not a spiritual, eternal kingdom. So he gets down, he gets real with them, and Jesus does what he does so well and teaches. Jesus here is just trying to get his disciples to understand it's not about what the world thinks is important. I went to college with a friend who uh, later went to seminary, and he was telling me a story about a friend of his. Uh, a friend of his in seminary uh, worked at a cemetery to make some extra money. Uh, he was just, uh, he did groundskeeping there, and, and one day, uh, his, the boss of the seminary student goes up to him and says, hey, you see that guy over there walking through the cemetery? He said, yeah, what about him? And his boss goes, well, that man, Christianity ruined that man. And he goes, what are you talking about? And his boss goes, well, that man was a very powerful, powerful man in this town. This town is called Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. It's a very, it was really hit hard with uh, the steel industry when it went down. Uh, and, and he said, this man was a powerful drug dealer. He, was, he could get you anything you wanted. He could do anything you needed. He was so wealthy. He was looked at in this community as a very powerful man. But now people look at him as a fool. Because, and this is how my friend tells the story, he was saved. And the seminary student goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, people look at him as a fool because he gave up all this wealth, all this just power. And now people are just like, you idiot. And I think that it's so hard for people to understand the love of Jesus when you're trying to tell them about it because it's so countercultural. It's, wait, are you kidding me? I've been raised to say... I need to be powerful. I need to do this. I need to do that. And again, there's nothing wrong with being successful in life. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should, our bosses, our, our people, our employers should look at us and say, wow, you're my hardest worker. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we get so caught up in it and lost. And, it, and I'm not saying that our, all stories are this extreme, but sometimes it takes a drastic change and a thought, a change of heart in the, for the Spirit of the Lord to work within us. So along the lines of the greatest must be last, the second point that Jesus is making here is the greatest must be servant of all. Matthew 20, 26 through 28 says, uh, you can turn if you want, and it'll be on the screen behind me as well. It says, it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must, uh, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is going to later show what he's talking about here in a powerful, powerful way by washing his disciples' feet, including Judas, who, if you're not familiar with Judas, is the one who betrays, betrays Jesus to the point of his death. That he, he pretty much is the one that says, hey, Jesus, send him to the cross. 
And I just want to take a step back to make sure you understand this, that this teacher, this rabbi, the master of these 12 men, the Messiah, the Son of God, does something that the lowest of the low would do. When they would have these suppers, you need to understand that like the lowest of the low, when they would walk into these homes, they would be the ones who would wash their feet. I mean, these people weren't even, like, you didn't even talk to them. You just, they just washed your feet and you went on with your way. And Jesus does this, not, remember, again, including Judas. If, be honest with me, if you knew that someone was about to betray you to the point of your death, would you really be willing to wash their stinky, disgusting, dirty desert feet? I, 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 don't, I don't think I would, and I'll be honest with you, but Jesus does. And that's the ultimate that just shows right, that's not the ultimate. He's not even done yet. That's just a crazy way to show what he's talking about. This past summer, I had the opportunity to take a group of students and a group of adults down to Taylorsville, North Carolina for a mission trip. And when we were down there on the last night, we did a foot washing service. And foot washing services always make me a little nervous when it comes to teenagers, because I'm always worried, is there going to be laughing? Is there going to be snickering? Are they not going to take it serious? Are they not going to participate? And I was praying about this, and I said, God, this is so powerful. Please, if you've, ever, if you've never been in, uh, involved in a foot washing service, I highly recommend. It is so powerful to, to see, to really understand what Jesus did there. And that night, for the first time I've ever seen, not only was there no laughing or snickering, or every, no, everybody took it serious and everybody participated. So I washed the leader's feet, uh, and then the leaders washed the students' feet. And we read the passage beforehand, and as I watched the leaders wash the students' feet, I just saw sobbing and crying from the leaders and the students. And afterwards, after we, we talked about it and kind of debriefed, I had multiple students who came to know Jesus that night, who started a relationship with Jesus. Other ones who said, I've always thought I've known who Jesus was, but this just made it so much clearer to me. And that night, we, we talked for hours about what it meant to serve Jesus, what it meant to look like to do that in just in an unselfish way. It doesn't matter what your social status is. That's the beauty of this all. You, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you could show, and you're called to show his love to all those around. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That's what he's trying to get across to the disciples. None of this matters. What matters is if you want to be first, you have to learn to be last and servant of all. And the third point that Jesus is trying to get across is the greatest Christian is obsessed with the nobodies. And here's what I mean by that. Mark chapter 9, verses 36 and 37 says, He took a child, had him stand among them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me doesn't welcome just me, but him who sent me. Why does Jesus do this? Why does he take a child? And because he knows a child can look insignificant. He knows that a child can look at, be looked at as sometimes not important or, or, or not taken seriously. But Jesus is saying here that that is not true, that I'm concerned about this little child just as much as anyone else. And when you care for such of these people, uh, one is really caring for receiving Jesus himself. Matthew 25, verses 34 and following, this is one of my favorite passages. It says, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I just want to pause real quick, because I think sometimes we read over these, these passages. A kingdom 
prepared for you, the creator of the heavens, the universe, the creator of you sitting here this morning, he created a kingdom for those of you who trust and put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Just want to make sure we get that. Because I think sometimes we're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to be in eternity with Jesus. No, the create, he, he created this for you. And I, I just want to make sure we understand that this morning. Verse 35, the king said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I've always just looked at that passage as another way, or just another, a parallel to Mark chapter 9, verses 36 and 37. So Jesus is trying to, to teach the disciples and us that it isn't about what society says. It's not about the most power, the most money, the highest in command. Jesus teaches, and not only teaches, but shows actively in his life, his ministry, and ultimately his sacrifice, that it's about serving, it's about loving, and it's about showing the love of God. Learning to put yourself aside for the kingdom of God, being a servant and obsessed with those nobodies. It's not possible to reach everyone. I understand that. I think sometimes people are like, so you tell me just go out and start throwing Bibles at everybody and just start telling them about you? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that when you have a relationship with Jesus and you want to build that relationship and glorify him, pray for guidance. Let the Holy Spirit work within you. There have been times in my life that I said, God, is, is, is this meant for me? Am I supposed to talk to this person? Because I'm in Walmart right now. Is this serious? Or do you really want me to do this? And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, I, I, and I could be wrong, but I just feel like, no, that's not your place. And other times, like, yeah, go talk to him or her. Uh, you know, and it's not like this, I, I walk up behind him like awkwardly. Like it's, God will open that conversation up and, you know, in a, in a checkout line or something like that. It's happened many times. But you need to find where Jesus has you be his hands and feet. And with that all said this morning, we're going to go into a time that I think that fits perfect with this morning's message. And we're going to take some time to recognize Mark and Josie Kauf, uh, Kaufman. I'm sorry, I knew a Mark and Josie <laughs> Condra. Um, and as they head out, I'm going to let you tell them, or I'm going to let them tell you about what they're doing. That's not my place. But before they come up, I just want you all to understand that this is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. I'm not saying that God has called everyone to another country, but to understand that to be first in the kingdom of God is to humble yourself, to set yourself aside, and to put others first. We have the privilege. You hear me say the privilege a lot because it is. I, I consider it that, that Jesus died on the cross for me and for us and for, so that and was rose from the grave that I have the privilege to share his love. It's not that he does, he, he could do it. Jesus could, God could easily do it. But he goes, no, Matt, I want you to be part of that. I want the body of Christ to do that for me. And that is a privilege. Whether that is here or overseas, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So enough of me, Mark and Josie, if you want to come up and share about what you're talking about, and uh, we're, we're going to go into a time of prayer. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Sure. Um, yeah, we are... Just about ready to leave October 26th 
which is this Thursday. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we've shared a lot with you guys, but um, just wanted to remind you we're headed off to uh, Nepal in South Asia. And uh, this is going to be the first term. It's going to last about three years, but really, you know, our idea is that it will probably be 15, 20 years in Nepal, uh, working with people who um, don't have anybody there to tell them about Jesus. There is no church. They don't have any scripture in their language. So, um, man, thanks so much for the encouragement this morning. I feel like it's, we're all in this together, right? That's not us. We're just we're all relying on the Lord to uh, to work in our lives to to be um, servants and uh, to be able to do that well. So, I'll let Josie tell you about this picture real quick. Yes, hello. Um, so this picture is just kind of like a super traditional window um, in Nepal. It's just a different style. We thought y'all have windows, so maybe would like to see what a window looks like. The architecture is like a little different, and I don't know if like our apartment will have windows like this, um, but to us it kind of signifies, you know, you don't really know what's on the other side, and we don't really know what's on the other side. It looks nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's things we don't know yet and things we're anticipating, and we're just asking the Lord to prepare what's on the other side of the things we don't know. Um, like Matt was saying, just praying and ask the Lord to show you those conversations or those relationships um, that he's already preparing. It's nothing that you have to do of your own um, to get someone ready for that, but that's on him to prepare and, and you to step out in obedience. So um, yeah, I know we come back every so often, you guys are like, you guys are still here? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be leaving? Yes, we are. <laughs> this time we are. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a, a year of fundraising, so uh, we made it, actually, to 100%. So, yeah, seriously, crazy. Um, really thankful for so many of you guys here who made that possible. Um, a lot of people gave one time. We needed that. A lot of people here are partnering with us every month because uh, we can't work when we're in Nepal. Um, and so you're, you're allowing us to be able to, to move and to live there uh, full time and to start studying and learning language and uh, doing Bible story translation. So, um, so that's all that we have to share. Um, please just uh, continue to hold us up in your prayers, and we look forward to seeing you guys in a few years. Thank you. Well, we, what these two are doing is amazing, and we want to send them off the right way with prayer uh, as they go and serve the kingdom of God. Uh, what I'm going to actually ask is for if you two want to come down here, uh, and if the if there are any elders or any of the uh, any of the mission team here, uh, if you would like to come forward, if uh, if anybody else would like to come forward, family, uh, and just place your hands on Mark and uh, Josie, uh, you're more than welcome to. Uh, and then if you, would not, if you wouldn't mind standing with me as we do this, uh, we're going to, uh, like I said, just send them off with prayers and cover them. And uh, if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't want to come forward, that's completely fine. But I invite you to, to extend your hand out towards Mark and Josie, because uh, if, if you're new this morning in a church to see this, we do this because this is what Jesus did. He healed, he healed people by, hand, by placing his hands uh, he didn't have to do that. He could have done it without the touching of hands, but he did. So that's what we do. So if you will, please join me in prayer. Father, we just thank you for Mark and Josie. We thank you for their heart for you. That they are stepping out of their comfort zone, that they are going into a place that needs you so much, God. A place that, that you have just given them a heart for. And we pray as they go there that you put a hedge of protection around them, God that you keep them safe. God, that you use them in a mighty way, that you use them in a way that they can't even imagine right now standing here this morning. 
God, we just, we just love you. We thank you for them. We love them, God, that, that again, that they are willing to do this. Give them a boldness. Give them an understanding. Give them a peace, God. And God, I just pray that as they're over there, that you, again, just use them in a mighty, mighty way. Father God, I pray for their family. I know this is such an exciting time, but God, I'm, it's a sad time that, the, that, they're, that they're leaving. And God, I just pray that you're with them, that you're comforting them, that you're comforting Mark and Josie, because I know for them too, it's, they're leaving their family and their home. But God, thank you for technology that uh, they'll, they'll be able to stay in touch. God, we just thank you for the privilege to be your hands and feet. We thank you for Mark and Josie and the work that you are about to do in their lives. We just love you in your name. Amen. As uh, Mark and Josie uh, and everybody go have a seat, I just have one final thought for you all. In my life, I've had to learn so many times. I've been so worried that it's about my social status, my money. And honestly, it's been my biggest roadblock in life that trying to impress, trying to be the top of the totem pole. But God reminds me on a daily basis to humble myself, to turn to him and be a follower of him and show his love. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. If it wasn't for one person in his life looking out for that, nobody. I wouldn't have a relationship with Jesus today. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit speaking in someone's life and saying, hey, that kid over there needs Jesus. You need to set down what you're doing and go talk to this kid about Jesus. I would not be standing here in front of you this morning. So as you walk out of these doors this morning, I pray that you're reminded on a daily basis what really matters in the eyes of our Father in heaven. Wanted to be recognized, have authority and acceptance is okay. But if you let it get in your way of your relationship with your Lord and Savior, don't let that happen. There's a kingdom in heaven waiting for you, for those of you who put your trust, your faith, and hope in Jesus Christ. And the sacrifice that he made on the third day he arose from the grave, he conquered death, he beat sin, so that you may have an eternity with him. I pray that you'll be humbled this week and find ways to serve the Lord and all that you do and set yourself aside to care and to show the love of Jesus. Thank you.